When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Glory, glory's on the Glory, glory's on the Glory, glory's on the And the Spurs go marching on. Well... Spurs fans around the world, it's Theo Delaney here in North London saying welcome to another Spurs show. I thought I was in a good mood last week. Now I'm in, I'm absolutely ecstatic. I'm cock-a-hoop. I'm cock-a-hoop. All of my predictions are coming true. We're top of the league. And uh, this week to look back on a wonderful, stunning victory on the first game of the season. Our first three o'clock home kickoff on the first game of the season for like 19 years, by the way. Looking back on that extraordinary event... Dame Julie Welch is back. Good evening, Dame Julie. Good evening, Sophia. <laughs> or are you a baron now? <laughs> well, I'm waiting to hear, actually, because the Prime Minister hasn't released his, uh, you know, resignation on us. But um, so we've got that's Tottenham aristocracy. And here's Tottenham royalty, because joining us from Hertfordshire is the son of Danny Blanchflower, Richard Blanchflower. Good evening, Richard. Good evening, Theo. Fantastic to have you aboard. Before we go any further, Richard, is this? I know you've done, you did top ten, top ten Tottenham with Mike in the in the summer. I listened to that; absolutely fantastic. Have you been on the regular uh, Spurs show before? No. Great. I was I was strapped up by my son or one of my sons because I've got three sons, all Spurs fans. Who uh, he reminded me? Ross took me to um, I think it was a Jimmy Greaves interview that Mike Lee was uh, hosting yeah. several years ago now. Um, but no, Ross Ross sent Mike my uh, my phone number, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, what we always do with first time guests, and I'm particularly excited to do it with you, is that we have to ask them what was the first Spurs game you attended. Right. The first Spurs game I attended was in 1957, age five, Tottenham one, Wolverhampton Wanderers nil. And was your dad playing? Yep. Wow, that must have been quite I an extraordinary I, thing. Yeah, I think I explained in the uh, the previous podcast with Mike that yeah. uh, my dad used to take me along from, from about the age of five onwards. I'd sit up in the stand with two older guys who'd look after me and then straight after the game, I go down in the dressing room and sit there while they got changed. So Brilliant. I got to know, you know, all the players quite yeah. well during that time. 
That is a, that is a one hell of. I mean, I've asked a lot of guests what their first game was, but those those that must have been extraordinary to be because I was a Tottenham fan at five. But the idea of hanging out with the players is quite something. My first game was at five, and I worshipped them all, you know. Well, that is quite something. Now, uh, and Richard, I know you've been a Tottenham fan ever since, but well, how could you not be? And you're still a regular attender, right? I'm a regular attender now. I played quite a lot of amateur football um, in the sort of 70s, 80s and 90s, but uh, always watched a lot of football. Watched a lot with my dad after he'd retired as well, actually. Um yeah. I was with him when we won the um, cup, cup winners, not the cup, the UEFA Cup, when we uh, drew, drew with Wolves at home. Uh, I was with him then, and I, I was sadly with him when Arsenal beat us one 0 to do the double at White Hart Lane. Oh. But we, can we move on from that? Yeah, terrible! What a terrible, shocking night that was. <laughs> and you know what? What's interesting about having you both on together, of course, is is because Julie, one of Julie's many uh, illustrious list, uh, among her illustrious list of credits, is the Glory Glory Nights, which is a, a fantastic drama, and it all inspired by Julie's, uh, you know, love of that double team, and in particular her love of. Uh, Danny Blanchflower. And based on a true based on a true story, Julie, isn't it? It is, yes. Yep. Um, absolutely. Um I mean I never I never met your dad while he was a player, obviously, because I was a schoolgirl. But um when he was a journalist with the Sunday Express and I was a journalist with the Observer, we met one day in the press box at Sellers Park. And um, I didn't realise he was there. I mean, you know, it's like sort of sitting there and you've got Jesus Christ sitting next to you and you just don't <laughs> notice. Yeah. Um, but I was sort of standing outside um, the ground afterwards wondering how I was going to get home. And, and your dad drew up in a Mercedes. And I, don't, I didn't often get lifts in a Mercedes, but the guy <laughs> gave me a lift back to Fleet Street. And, of course, yeah, that's what kicked off... Um, those glory, glory days, Theo. Not oh, nine. sorry. Sorry. <laughs> that's all right. I mean, you know, that's just a pedant speaks. But going <laughs> back, Richard, to what you were saying about um, the, your first Spurs game, 1957, beating Wolves 1-0, that was when Spurs were just about to lift off and Wolves were the big team at the time. Yeah. They yeah. under a, 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 a guy called Stan Cullis, who mm. obviously I never met either. But um, it was the start of, of something big. Yeah. So we know what happened. Yeah. So actually, probably a pivotal moment to, for Spurs to beat Wolves. It'd be like Spurs beating Man City this season and going on to greater things or something like that. Well, the, the funny thing is that um, I'm actually collaborating with the great man, Steve Perryman, with mm. a book about the 1981 Cup triumph yeah. at the moment. And he says in it that when when they beat Wolves at the second time of asking after Hillsborough, when they beat Wolves at Highbury, he, he said he actually felt a bit sorry for Wolves because we always seem to beat them in the end. <laughs> I bet he didn't feel sorry for them during the game. <laughs> it would have been, it would definitely have been afterwards, uh, Steve. But uh, yeah, that's a lovely, uh, lovely thing to say of Stevie there. What a lovely man he is. Well, never mind that anyway, because now we are possibly on the cusp of greatness again. What do you think? I mean, I don't know what you made of... Saturday's game, You between you, you've watched a lot of different Tottenham teams. Between the three of us, we've watched a lot of different Tottenham teams. But this has the look of a very, very serious and formidable squad. Um, especially given that he didn't pick any... He didn't, he, he's bought all these players and, he, and he's not 
tempted to shove him straight in the team, is he? Richard, were you surprised, first of all, at the starting lineup on Saturday? Um, not really. I, I think he likes to work on new players and get them used to his systems. Um, I think we were fortunate. Uh, got to be careful what I say now. I think we were fortunate that the opposition we were playing weren't brilliant. Yeah. And yeah. before we get before we get too carried away, I mean the real acid test is next Sunday. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I agree with you. I mean it was <clears throat> modest opposition. They'd lost their last four games last I thought, season. I thought Ryan Sessignon's performance was was uh, an example of, of of what's happened. Far more aggressive. I mean, mm. in the past, I think he's he's just been a bit weak in the tackle, yeah. but he very he looked a lot stronger. I thought he had had a terrific match. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, both the wing backs played better than they have done in previous years. Mm. Um, and Benton Kerr, I love. I think he's a fantastic footballer. Yeah. How we picked him up for less than thirty million pounds, I do not know. Well, I do know because Juventus needed money to buy a centre forward. Um, yeah, yeah. So we picked up two very good players from Juventus there. Yeah, totally agree. And uh, Julie, what do you think? I mean, is there? Were you, are you surprised to see those wing-backs in? Because at, the funny thing is, both wing-backs, like you say, Richard, played well. And they're the guys who we most thought were likely to be replaced. I mean, he's brought in Perisic, who's a you know a seasoned super, international superstar, really. He's brought in Spence. He looked like he was trying to convert Lucas Moura into a wing-back uh, during pre-season a couple of times. And he's got Doherty, of course, who actually was the regular wing-back until he got that nasty injury at Aston Villa last season. And is by, by trade a wing-back. And yet here he is, he's picking Emerson Royale and Sessignon. What do you make of that, Julie? I was, well, I sort of echo Richard that I thought Seth looked fantastic mm. um, because he was, I mean, he was so promising, but it never went right for him. He was, I thought he was a bit weedy, you know, he was always yeah. getting injured, um, yeah. looked a bit bit like a scared rabbit. And then suddenly, you know, there's this sort of, re- I think he's been having boxing conditioning training the last couple of weeks. I mean, he just uh. looked, he looked transformed. He really yeah. did. And it was a fantastic goal. But before that, when Southampton got their first goal, um, I have to say, I just <laughs> thought, oh, God, you know, the balloon <laughs> slowly deflating. Yeah, same old, same old. I had no faith. But suddenly it just turned around. It was just absolutely brilliant. And I loved Dyer's goal. Um, yeah. I just, I, D- Dyer is just the <clears throat> most fantastic guy you know I he, I get the impression he's the glue in the dressing room yeah um he's he's sort of cosmopolitan he's very funny he's very bright um he's such an interesting guy and that was a that was a nice goal as well um so yeah I, I, I and I just thought after all this you know Son and Kane all that sort of stuff and it's the two two of the so two defenders score so yeah. that is something kind of and, and it wasn't it wasn't sometimes defenders score when you're really desperate mm. <laughs> um you know because 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 the attack isn't up to it but this was just um there seems to be a whole kind of range of players there who can actually get the ball in the net which is yeah. just you know it's not Kane and Son yeah, I mean, there are goals all over this team, aren't there? And I think, again, that's part of Conti's system as he encourages them to get ball. I mean, Dyer's finish, Richard, for a man who hadn't scored, I think he hadn't scored for like two years or something in the Premier League, something crazy like that. And that, in fact, I saw someone tweeted that they'd had a bet on him to score and he was like 
to score a, with a header. And it, it, they got something like 500 to one or something like that. They absolutely yeah. made a bloody fortune. But that finish was so deft for a man not used to scoring, wasn't it? Yeah, he's a very good all-round footballer and, and a key player, I think, in the centre of the uh, back three. Um, as Julie said, he's an intelligent guy. I mean, I'm amazed that uh, he's not in the England squad because mm. I can't think of a, an English centre-half at the moment that's better than him. But yeah, who, well, am I, who am I to comment? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, Southgate used to love him, didn't he? But when he, but that was, he, it was his previous version of, uh, of Dyer when he was a midfielder and he pl- picked him every game. And in fact, he was a candidate for the captaincy at one point. He nearly got the captaincy, I think. But uh, since he's been recon, because he's, he came as a defender, didn't he? Ended up in midfield, almost out of necessity, made a good go of it, gets in the England team as a midfielder, then goes off, the, then his form dips when everyone else's form dipped, basically, during the last days of Pochettino and then the, the unfortunate uh, Marie spell and then he can reconverts and it's almost like he had to learn it all over again being a defender but I agree because there's one weakness in that England squad it is in the centre of defence you look at the you know Stones doesn't get many of it, much of a game Maguire is is vilified at weekly by his own fans um, Mings has been dropped to Aston Villa yeah you know Cody can't get a game at Wolves he's had to go to Everton on loan I mean that those are the top those are the main four then you've got others that have got a couple of cats Ben Godfrey's just t- taken a terrible injury White at Arsenal uh the goons think he's good I'm, I don't know so you would have thought you would have thought all of a sudden Dyer looks like head of the queue I mean that, I mean obviously Julie you are biased because you've been basically if I to speak frankly been absolutely in love with Dyer for many years but in this <laughs> at this juncture at this jun- <laughs> at this juncture I think um <clears throat> even without the bias you've got to say I I, I totally agree with you Richard He's, he should be a, I would have thought he'd be a shoo-in I'd be amazed if he doesn't get in the next England squad the other thing about him as you were saying I mean he's midfield it, it's difficult when you're s- switched around a lot oh You've frozen there for a minute. Comfortable there. on the wall. Oh, he go. challenges well in the air. I think he's a good all-round footballer. Yeah, yeah. And he's sophisticated and he's a leader and he's tough. He seems, like you say, he seems to tick every box, you know. So, uh, yeah, I wish him well. And I think Conte will have to take quite a lot of the credit if he does get back playing international football, just as Pochettino took the, you know, rightly took the credit when he got him in as a midfielder. I think, uh, I mean, Conte's reinvented Sessignon, he's reinvented Dyer. I mean, even Emerson Royal, who, 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 stu- who only joined at the beginning of the last season, people were writing him off. And here he is holding on, um, uh, you know, uh, holding off three or four other candidates in that position. It's, it's quite remarkable, really. Yeah, uh, and I think there's a lot of improvement to come from him still, because he's still still just a lad, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, Conte will work magic there as well. Isn't it great? Yeah. It's great. And, and the thing is, we need this depth, of course, because we've got so many games and we've got a World Cup coming up as well. So, you know, it seems odd to have three or four players that can play each side. But when you think about it, you know, we've got all these games. We've got the Champions League where you can't really go out and put, put out weakened sides or anything like that. So you're going to be playing twice a week for almost the entire season with the World Cup right bang in the middle of it. So there's going to be injuries and there's going to be tiredness and you've got to keep these uh, players as fresh as you can in the circumstances. And obviously Liverpool and City and Chelsea have big squads. So it's uh, it's a relief to know that we've got quality backup in all these uh, positions. I mean, as yeah, things stand... What, 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 what you what I think about Conte is that the every player knows what he's got to do. Yeah, because that's what players like. That you know they they, they don't 
they get a bit lost if they're just sort of left to kind of, uh, in Harry's words, in Harry Redknapp's words, run around a bit. Um, There's, they're they're the most drilled Spurs squad I've seen for years, in fact. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he creates a kind of machine, doesn't he, Conti? And it's the same machine every time. The the, the remarkable thing is that it keeps working because he doesn't vary it very much. It's the way the machine he's creating here at Tottenham is the same machine he he created at Chelsea in terms of personnel and system. But nobody seems to have much of an answer for it. Let's hope that's the case again this season because it's the way he won the league with Inter. It's the way he won the league with uh, Chelsea. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it was the way he won leagues with Juventus as well. Before we go on to what what we might dare to hope for with this wonderful new dawn and Conti really getting hold of this team, let's just take a, a, a brief break. And we're back. So this is our 16th season, by the way, at the Spurs show. 16th season of Spurs shows. And uh, for premium content including a daily news show, ex-player interviews, match reports, original documentary series on Spurs. Go to patreon.com forward slash Spurs show and support our show in the process. Uh, Our monthly London live shows return next month. Really looking forward to that. You can sign up and join us at season.spursshow.net. That gets you a season ticket for those shows. We have wonderful guests and they're really, they're lovely little intimate shows, usually in the West End. Uh, sometimes in Tottenham. And because they're smaller events than our big end of season or Christmas shows, you always get to meet the guests and there's plenty of opportunities for selfies and autographs and having a chat and all of that. So I recommend you sign up for those at season.spursshow.net. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And do please leave us a nice review on iTunes if you get a moment, because that's really helpful uh, in spreading spreading the podcast wider. There's merchandise, by the way. There's brand new Celebrity Spurs T-shirts, uh, Human Son and Antonio Conte designs. There's the old Woolwich Wanderers classic design, always popular, and much more. Uh, if you go to the show notes of this show, you'll know you can find out where to get those things. And next week's guests, by the way, are Dominic Powell, Carl Jones, and Simon Dent. And I think it's me again next week. You lucky people! Now uh, we've talked about. I mean, I think I get the feeling that even you know we're all trying to remain calm in the face of this you know brilliant situation we've suddenly faced with but in all in all sober reflection uh richard how far do you think this team can go what do you think they can achieve this season um that's a good question uh People used to say to my dad before a game, they said, who do you think will win the game today, Danny? And he said, that's why they're playing the game, isn't it? Um, (laughs) (laughs) If if, if I had a crystal ball, I'd be putting a lot of money on things. But I I think we've got a competitive chance in every competition we're in. I I, I query the Champions League, maybe, but um, you never know. Um, But he's got a fantastic record. I was thinking, you, you go back to Pochettino's side when they were at their best. Mm. And they had two two options at both right back and left back, didn't they? Kyle Walker, Trippier, Danny yeah. Rose, and Ben Davis, who yes. incidentally I thought had an excellent game on Saturday. He's another one, yeah. 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 Um, but and I I just think I can see Conte sort of stocking up wing backs as well, so he can rotate them mm. uh, and we get a lot of width that way. But mm. uh, 
I said Sunday's game's the acid test, really. Um, but I just think we're looking far more aggressive as a side. I mean, we had three bookings on Saturday. Um, much as I, I like purist football, I mean, both Manchester City, who've got um, used to have um, Fernandinho, who didn't who yeah. didn't mind taking people out to stop a counter attack, and Liverpool yeah. have got Fabinho doing the same. Yeah. Um, and at long last, we're starting to look tougher as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting that he sent Sessignor to go and have boxing training. Yeah. Sessignor put in a very meaty tackle early on and uh, got a card on uh, Saturday, yeah. and it almost felt like a statement of intent on his part. Yeah, Julie, I, I, I mean, Richard says maybe the Champions League is the least likely one, and I agree with that because Conte never seems that bothered about uh, cups or the Champions League compared to the league. He seems to be very, very motivated by winning titles league titles where where do you see this team going you know with a bit with a bit of luck with a fair following wind certainly think that um top three um i'm hoping that liverpool implode um <laughs> why just live what because you think that's more likely than city imploding? Yeah. right yes yeah. yeah i can't i can't i mean having watched having watched as much as I could bear to watch of, of Man City against West Ham, I thought, oh, gosh, it's going to be that that sort of season again. But I think that that we might be able to recreate the rivalry that was had built up between Spurs and Liverpool before the dark days descended on us and we mm. started to go backwards and they started to move forward. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, second or third? Sounds defeatist, doesn't it? The only thing about Tottenham winning the title is that I've always said, you know, now I can die happy, but I don't <laughs> want to die yet. So maybe, oh, you know, okay. they can, <laughs> maybe they can hang on a, a few more years in yeah. second or third. Yeah, well, <clears throat> that would present me, if it was me, that would pre- present me with a terrible dilemma. You know, would you, if you, <laughs> could you, would you expect Tottenham? Winning the league, if you had to uh, shuffle off this mortal coil immediately afterwards, I'd be, I would be torn there. It would be a fifty, it'd be a flip of a coin for me there. But I, I mean, no, I just think that Conti's Conti never fails to challenge for the league, and in fact, if you think about it, I don't think he's ever failed to win the league in any previous job. Actually, I mean, he did it with Juventus, I think, more than once. He did it with Chelsea on his second year. And or was it his first? I think it was his first year. He did it in his first year with Chelsea. And yeah. here he is. Yeah. Look, he's got a fantastic record. You might be able to help me here. I'm still puzzled as to why Gary Neville says he wouldn't be the right person for Manchester United. I think. He's mad. Yeah, I mean, he'd be the right person for anyone, wouldn't he? I think the only reason well, he says Manchester that... Manchester United I, needs somebody like Conte there to sort des- out their superstars. Totally agree that he is the perfect person to sort out their team. Yep. I think maybe what Gary Neville is saying is the board wouldn't be able to cope with him because he is so straight-talking and so uncompromising. And that's the mess you see at Manchester United, that they're the board... and it, I mean, you know, you've got to give quite a lot of credit to Levy, the way he's, he, he's recognised the opportunity here. Totally, totally. I mean, you know, Manchester United have got this, but they're owned by Americans who are not particularly interested in football. They bought the thing as a business. They leveraged it 
out of out of sight. They take loads of money out of it. The last thing they need is some guy coming in, pointing out their numerous shortcomings to an already disgruntled bunch of fans. And I think that they would. I I can I assume because I mean Gary Neville is not not a fool when it comes to football. I assume that's what he means that they don't. He's not right for United because they don't want someone coming in telling it like it is. Because as you say. He is precisely what they require because Absolutely. that team is a total shambles. And if you look at the players they're being linked with today, I mean, I don't oh. know why we're talking about them, only because it's funny. Arnautovic, you know, 33 no. years of age. <laughs> Staggering. Yeah, and also now Rabio, who yeah. is a really flaky player, a really, really, all of French football. If you, there's a, a, you know, a, if you listen to people who know French football and know the French team, Rabio is, uh, you know, is... Something of a let's let's be kind and call him a curate's egg. I mean that's the cut. That's a kind way of. That, I mean they're crazy buys when you think of the players that City and Liverpool and Tottenham and Chelsea buy. I mean that just is indicative of the terrible state they're in. I, I mean how long? I mean I know it's one game and uh, but I don't know. He doesn't he doesn't look convincing that manager to me at all. I I looked at I, I looked at Ten Hag. Um, that sort of bald head and um, the despairing <laughs> yeah. expression, trying yeah. not to look despairing. And I thought, that's Nuno. Yeah. I give him yeah. a month. Rabbit in the headlights. I yeah. mean, you look at that bald head and you think, look at our manager. He's had one of the best hair transplants I've ever seen. <laughs> and this guy, he's turned up with a paint shinier than mine. That says it all. I mean, Conti's <laughs> barnet is absolutely, it's, it's fantastic. I mean... State of the art, and that's what he is as a manager. Uh, what happens if you give it a tug, though? Well, don't. Um, per- what well, I strongly advise you not to not to <laughs> attempt to find out. <laughs> Definitely, I wouldn't want anyone to try that because Conti has he's renowned for his temper, and nobody wants to see what happens there. <laughs> that really would be a terrible thing. Well, listen, I tell you what, we're going to do. We might knock this on the head because later on in the week we're going to do a second. We're going to do a second uh, show to preview the game, as Richard keeps saying, and rightly. That is much more of a test. We'll have much a much better idea of how good this team is once we've played Chelsea. So later on in the week, we will reconvene and preview that game. But in the meantime, uh, I'd just like to say, Richard Blancheflower, Dame Julie Welch, thank you so much for joining me for this one. See you later in the week. This is Thea Delaney in North London saying... Give you spares. If you want to advertise on or sponsor this show, check us out at playbackmedia.co.uk. Sports Social Podcast Network.